Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. This is Josh Wander from Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh, the holy city of Jerusalem. I'm here with my co-host, Rabbi Moshe Lichtman from Beit Shemesh. Yes, welcome. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy the show, as always. Israel Unplugged is where you get the unadulterated facts of where we're holding in the redemptive process, focusing primarily on the ingathering of the exiles. And the ingathering of the exiles is what I want to discuss today because that seems to be on the mind, not only of us Jews in Israel, but of world Jewry. In one way or the other, uh, from one side or the other, people are either complaining that they have been locked out of the land of Israel, and others are saying that it is the right thing to have been done by the government as a precaution for their own citizens, and others have, are arguing that that is completely immoral and irrational, and I'd love to discuss that further. Uh, this is a live show. We really encourage all of our listeners. We know that you're listening to us from around the world, and we encourage you to call in if you happen to be stuck in North America. And when I say that, I, I you know, I always say that to those that have listened to the show, but I actually mean it <laughs> now. now. Really? Now you're really stuck. If you're stuck in North America, you should call in at 301-768-4841. That's 301-768-4841. Four eight four one, And if you're stuck in Israel as of tomorrow night at midnight, uh, if you're fortunate enough to be stuck in Israel, then the number is 02-650-0151. That's 02-650-0151. As always, we encourage you to go to our respective uh, uh, websites. Uh, Rabbi Lichtman's website is at toratzion.com, T-O-R-A-T-Z-I-O-N. Uh, .com, and ours is at uh, bringthemhome.org.il, or it's time to leave.com. We also have a new one, as good as gullus.com. I'm not sure if that's connected yet, but I did get that domain, as good as gullus.com. Um, we also encourage you to go to our uh, YouTube channel. We have the YouTube channel Israel Torah with hundreds of videos dealing with uh, the redemption, and uh, we encourage you to go there and to subscribe and to press on the notification bell. And uh, we will look forward to this very exciting show, and we'll be right back with you. Israel is located in one of the most volatile areas in the world. Israel is an island of stability and a sea of war and unrest. In the midst of this turmoil, Israel stands out as a beacon of order and human progress. Each week we update you on what's happening in this, the Jewish state, a true light unto the nations. This is Jay Shapiro. Join me every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. This is Josh Wander from Israel, and we have an exciting time. You know, there's that 
Chinese curse that everybody speaks about uh, living in interesting times. We are indeed living in very interesting times. Um, some decisions, recent decisions uh, by the government to, uh, to not only ban tourists from coming into con- the country, but also to ban Israelis from leaving the country to many, uh, many countries, including, I think, an unprecedented move to ban uh, Israelis from going to the United States and Canada. Um, this is what I've spoken about, and I know that I've mentioned from uh, Rabbi Nachman Kahana many times for years now, the idea that the borders will be closed. Um, we are witnessing this happening, and we have a special guest on right now, Rabbi Dove Lipman, uh, who has an organization that is dedicated to this, and we just wanted to have a quick update about what's happening right now. Rabbi Lipman. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem. Thanks for coming on. Tell us, tell us what's happening. So uh, we're living in really wild times where uh, the government this morning voted to uh, expand the list of countries that they call Reddit countries, uh, which essentially means no travel for non-Israelis into Israel from those countries and no travel for Israelis to those countries. And the list includes a number of countries, but especially uh, worth noting Canada and the United States. So uh, we at Yad Le'olim have been spending the entire day uh, with nonstop messages coming in from people trying to understand, so what does that mean if I'm trying to come into Israel for a specific occasion? What does it mean if I want to travel from Israel to abroad to a red country? And just trying to clarify the rules for everyone and putting together updates and updating our website and also dealing with the government authorities on getting clarity and what are exactly the rules and then also laying the groundwork for our battle which will be to expand the exceptions and try to lighten the situation for everyone involved. Now, I know that you take a very strong stance when it comes to opposition to these government policies on one hand. On the other hand, I know that you also believe very firmly that the government's uh, prime uh, um, obligation is to its own citizens and to protect them. And if they truly feel that there's a necessity to close the borders, what other ulterior motive could there be to close the borders from people coming abroad and, and, and letting Israelis leave other than a health concern? And if so, what, yes, so what, why, why would you be against that? Sure. So there's no doubt that I support uh, any measures for public health. And what we're trying to do is to try to find that right balance between the concern for public health and the needs of only their families and global jewelry. Because I do think that when leaders make decisions, there have to be many factors that come into the equation. One of the things that I've been asking in the Knesset committee is for statistics, is for information. Obviously, if there's real hard scientific data that shows that if these measures aren't taken, then Israel's uh, on the verge of uh, some kind of a catastrophe where we'll have significant numbers who are seriously ill or even, God forbid, passing away. Obviously, I would support whatever measures the leadership is taking. But there are times that leaders you know, hear about a 0.001% chance that can happen, and they take uh, steps which cause real-life damage right now. I mean, I'm fighting today for a family member to come in to be supportive of a woman who unfortunately has just lost uh, her baby uh, before the baby was born. That's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for uh, Olim, who made Aliyah understanding that their entire livelihood was based on traveling, let's say, to the United States uh, once or twice a month, uh, to make sure that they continue to do so, because this is the livelihood of their families and the success of their Aliyah. And that has to come into the equation uh, in the face of 
and what I would consider to be possibly, possibly a far-out fear regarding what's happening with the variants. So we're asking for real information. Uh, I'm a person who has uh, supported uh, whatever measures need to be taken for public health, and we just want to make sure that the voice of Olim, the voice of their families, the voice of Jews around the world who love Israel and feel a connection to Israel are part of the conversation as well. We know, we know that you are, are very, very busy and you have to go, but just one last question, if, if I may. Uh, the chief rabbi of South Africa, Rabbi uh, Warren Goldstein, has made a statement that the entry ban on diaspora Jews is a moral disgrace on behalf of Israel. Would you agree with that statement? I don't agree with the statement uh, in the broad stroke, and I say that in with, with total respect to the chief rabbi. Uh, if there's a real fear of uh, a health catastrophe in Israel, then that's what we have to do. But I do agree that I do not think that um, that world jury has been addressed uh, when it comes to these issues, and I do not feel that we have the right to make decisions that equate uh, tourists from I don't know from Thailand or from India uh, together with. Uh, Jews who are passionate supporters of Israel come to Israel regularly, send their children to Israel. Uh, I think that there have to be different categories. I don't believe the government has done a good enough job in, in making those divisions and making those categories and giving the recognition to world Jewry that it deserves in terms of its relationship to Israel. Uh, so that's where I would uh, say that we need to do a better job. That's certainly what we're advocating for. Uh, I would say to anybody who's listening, if you just want information, because things are changing rapidly, you want to understand exactly what the rules are, uh, you can go to yadlaolim.org, and we have the updates there. Uh, you can, If you want to be on our email list just to get the uh, updates as they happen, you can email info at yadlaolim.org, and we'll be happy to add you to that list, uh, because it's almost on a daily basis that things are changing. And the most important thing here is for everyone to have clarity and to uh, understand exactly what's involved. And at some times it doesn't mean just saying, wow, I won't be able to make that trip to Israel at this time, or our families won't be together for the Simcha at this time. Uh, that's certainly very painful, and it's certainly very challenging. I guess the, the one blessing that I would say is that we do know that at a certain point uh, this will not uh, continue, and then at that point we'll be able to continue the incredible blessing that we have of having a state of Israel, of having a Jewish state, of having the access that we have uh, to the land of Israel, and we always have to keep that in mind as well. Just to clarify, you, you are advocating a, a what some people might even call a discriminatory policy, which would allow Jews to come into the country, tourists that are Jewish to come into the country, but non-Jews not? Is that Do I understand you correctly? No, I'm not advocating for that. I'm advocating for people who have uh, special reasons to come to Israel uh, to be able to come. So, for example, if someone does have family that is living in Israel, and uh, to, certainly for family occasions and certainly for uh, reunions that need to take place, uh, for that to be able to happen. And by the way, uh, I believe those occasions can take place for people who are non-Jewish as well. We do have a uh, non-Jewish population in Israel. And there's no reason uh, for those family members to be excluded from the policies that we're advocating for. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rabbi Lipman. And again, anybody who wants more information can go to his website at uh, yadlaolim.org. Uh, Correct? Yes, correct. Okay, wonderful. Okay, thank you very much for coming on. We know you're very busy. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Good news to everyone. Bye-bye. Be well. So that was Rabbi Lipman. Um, you heard it straight from him, the newest and, and latest, which is that there is a travel ban that is going to be implemented on Israelis leaving the country to most of the country. What I did not ask him, and we don't have so much time, he was, he was very busy, 
is that it seems to me that there's a simple uh, uh, loophole to get around that, and that is to go to any green country that is in the world and then just fly from there wherever you want to go. Um, that seems to be a, a, a blatant, big, very large loophole there that anybody could use. Um, I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that it seems like uh, there, there's no way of them stopping someone from doing that. Uh, but okay, let, let's uh, let's continue. <laughs> there there are two um, there are two articles that have recently been published in the uh, Jerusalem Post. Um, one was the article that dealt with the uh, as we mentioned the chief rabbi of South Africa, Rabbi Warren Goldstein's statement that it is a moral disgrace. Uh, this entry ban on diaspora Jews, Jewry. And then there was another one that was uh, that was made by a woman by the name of Andrea Samuels, and, and it is entitled, Don't Like the Rules, Make Aliyah. And she basically makes, and we, uh, we, I'm not sure we have time for the whole thing, but you know what, let me, let me, if you don't mind, let me read a little bit of it, and, and I'll give you an idea of what she's, what she's trying to say. She says that the law of return gives Jews and their descendants the right to live in Israel, and those who choose not to, do so cannot expect to have the same rights as those who have made the difficult decision. Is Israel recently imposed greater restrictions on non-Israelis entering the country and Jews across the world are up in arms? What about us is a common refrain. Many complain that it just isn't fair to prevent Jews from visiting Israel, their homeland. Regardless of whether or not they live in Israel, Jews should always have the right to come and go as they please, they assert. The point many in the diaspora fail to appreciate, however, is the fact that they have chosen not to live in Israel as such. They cannot expect to have the same rights as Israelis. While those of us who live in Israel can, to a limited degree, come and go as we please, this was written before the recent ban, the restrictions placed on non-Israelis in this regard are far more stringent. In short, Tourists must go through hoops to get permission to visit. The law of return gives every Jew and his or her descendants the right to live in Israel. In fact, a person only needs one Jewish grandparent to make Israel their home. Those who cannot or choose not to exercise this right cannot expect to have the same rights as those who have made the often difficult choice to up sticks, leave their families and friends and come and live here. It's never easy to make that choice and actually put it into practice. There is never a right time to make Aliyah, and sacrifices inevitably have to be made by those who do so. The army beckons for families who make Aliyah with children, for example. Parents make the move knowing that the best years of their children's lives will be given over to defending the state, a very high price to pay of en on any view. New careers also have to be forged, leading to financial hardship for many who have otherwise have had a good fortune to lead a very comfortable existence in the diaspora. Then there are all of those uh, of the other pr uh, practicalities, such as the language, housing, schooling, and finding a community. The whole process is exhausting. Even the most successful aliyah is fraught with difficulties. And she continues on and says, but basically that those that have decided to sacrifice for the country should be allowed to, to, to have the extra benefits and those that don't, don't deserve that. Let's continue this conversation right after the break. The Tamar Yona Show. Tamar, she's sassy. She's smart. She's funny. But she's also a real Jewish mother. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Tamar Yona. And yes, I can be all of those things. But at Israel News Talk Radio, I'm here to bring you the news stories and guests that you may not hear anywhere else. Join me live on air Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays for the most unique and bold talk radio in Israel. The Tamar Yona Show. Shalom. I'm Leah Haroni. Join me on my show, News from the Torah. Each Sunday, we'll use the weekly Torah portion as a prism for understanding the news today. Listen to news from the Torah to gain clarity about the times we're living in and to understand your own spiritual path in the process. News from the Torah every Sunday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome well, back to Israel Plug. Go ahead, Rabbi. No, welcome back. Yeah, so we're having a very, uh, a very controversial discussion about, uh, you know, should should there be a ban on Jews to come to Israel? The, the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. Uh, it always has been ours, even when we were in the diaspora. Uh, meaning all even in the depths of the diaspora when there were very few Jews living here, it still belonged to us. We all yearn for it. And therefore, there are Jews who say, so you can't stop me from coming into the land of Israel. It's not yours. It's, it's ours. It, it belongs to all the Jewish people. And we should have this, the, the right to come when we want. So, yeah, yeah. So we heard one side of the argument uh, from that article. Uh, which basically says, of course, every Jew has uh, a right to the land of Israel. And you know what? Had the government of Israel, let's say 70 years ago, when when the state was established, said only Jews who live in Israel can come and we're, we're not going to allow anybody else to, to visit, then you'd have what to say. But, I mean, it's not like the government of Israel constantly and willingly bans people from coming, especially Jews, from coming into the land of Israel. We love for Jews to come. We always want them to come, even if it's just for a visit. Uh, it's obvious that the government is doing this uh, in order to uh, prevent some public health uh, uh, pandemic, uh, epidemic, and therefore, uh, whether they're right or wrong, I mean, I, you know, I was very, I felt very uh, convinced by what Rabbi Lipman said that, you know, maybe it's not that we're worried that there's going to be people dying left and right. Maybe not, but that doesn't really mean anything because it could be that it's just to prevent this uh, this new wave from getting out of hand because we know that if things get out of hand, it could, it could be dangerous. So the government wants to take precautions, and that's normal for every government to do. A lot of governments are stopping people from coming in. Also, so that's what the that's the Israeli government is doing, and it's unfortunate that there are Jews who who are forced to cancel trips and not be able to come. And you know, there's no one who is upset about it more than us Olim, because that means our family can't come. I mean, I have a I have a niece's wedding coming up, and uh, I have many reasons to a good friend's wedding, uh, his daughter. I would love to go to America and visit, but I can't. That's I, part I of, had I had a flight. To, um, I had tickets for a couple weeks from now, and I canceled those tickets. Um, mm -hmm. And even though I, I'm uh, I'm 
I, I'm upset on one hand that I can't make the trip because it was a very important trip. On the other hand, I understand and I, I'm willing to sacrifice. I don't consider it a sacrifice. I, listen, whenever I'm, I'm so-called stuck in Israel, I, I consider it a blessing. <laughs> exactly. So if, if I, if exactly. I, if you know, worst case scenario, at least I'm on the right side of the pond. Um, Chief Rabbi of South Africa, uh, Rabbi Dr. Warren Goldstein, has a very different uh, um, viewpoint. He has branded Israel's border closure to foreign Jews as a moral disgrace and said that the country must reverse the ban on risk uh, or risk long-term damage to the country's relationship with diaspora Jews. Um, according to a Jerusalem Post uh, report, the rabbi said Israel's draconian entry regulations were dividing families and undermining the very reason for the state's existence to be a state for the Jewish people. Uh, Goldstein made his remark as Israel is uh, set to add more countries to its red list, including the U.S. and the largest Jewish community in the world outside of Israel, making it almost impossible for foreign nationals from countries to visit the Jewish state or for Israelis to visit them. Many immigrants in Israel have grown increasingly frustrated with the tight entry regulations for foreign nationals that have restricted the ability of their relatives to visit the country, while Israelis have been able to freely visit countries not on the red list. Poor implementation of the exceptions for the entry ban that do exist and the hostile treatment of some incoming foreign nationals by Israel's population and immigration authority have caused further problems. The Israeli, uh, the Israeli travel ban is doing serious damage to relations between the state of Israel and diaspora Jewry, said Goldstein. It's, it's causing terrible human suffering. It's dividing families. People can't come for family celebrations or just visit their relatives, continued the rabbi. He said that the heartlessness of these policies was demonstrated when friends of the family of Ellie Kay, who was slain in a terrorist attack last month, came from South Africa to support the family and were barred from the entry to the country after the entry regulations changed while they were in, uh, and, and in the air en route and were forced to violate Shabbat when the population authority forcibly boarded them on, on the plane out of the country on Friday afternoon. Now that's for sure. That I think everyone... And by the agree. way, I, I have to mention at the same time, uh, the country did allow, uh, the government did allow Miss South Africa, who was part of the Miss Universe uh, beauty pageant, to, to come into the country against those rules. And I, and I have to say, I, I don't have anything against the Miss South Africa. I, I actually think that she's an amazing woman who actually stood up to the BDS that was going on in her own country and trying to convince her not to come here. And she she went against all of them to come here anyway. So I, I, I hand her an applause to, to, to Miss South Africa on one hand. On the other hand, these kind of uh, um, um, uh, policies that are being made by the government that are that seemingly are uh, contradictory and and uh, discriminatory uh, that they allow, on one hand, someone from South Africa for a beauty pageant. On the other hand, they don't allow people to come and visit their relatives that were that were killed in a terrorist attack. is is definitely, um, to me, absolutely absurd. Uh, the rabbi said, the, the chief rabbi of South Africa, we're talking about that the government must not jeopardize the health of its citizens, but that it has to apply the same rules to Israeli passport holders as other Jews. Now, that's a great point, and I think we should discuss that. Should, let's put that into question form, should the government apply the same rules to Israeli passport holders as other Jews? And I think this is what was Andrea's point earlier in the other article, was that Israelis that come here, Jews that come here and they make Aliyah and they become citizens, there is a slew of different difficulties that they go through in order to make Aliyah. 
And they sacrifice for the country. They sacrifice through coming here and changing their location. They change their, their culture. They change their language. They have to get a new job. They have to send their kids. They, they themselves were there. They have to send their kids to, uh, to military service to, to, to defend the country. We see all these sacrifices that are made on behalf of uh, Jews that make Aliyah. And those are not the same sacrifices that Jews around the world make. And additionally, I think it is the, the prime responsibility of any government before anything else to protect its own citizens. It, it does not have an obligation. Israel has always taken the position that they have a, a, a moral obligation to help Jews around the world. And we have seen over and over again when Jews are in trouble anywhere in the world, Israel tries to help them and often uh, rescues them from all sorts of dangerous situations. But the, their, their absolute obligation is first and foremost to their own citizens. And again, this gets back to the question that we're talking about, whether or not in, in light of the fact that there is a believed uh, medical emergency going on. I say believed because obviously there are two sides to the story, whether this is, like Rabbi Lippmann was saying earlier, justifies the, 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 the policies of the government. We don't know, but, but assuming that it does justify it, it seems that it makes perfect sense that the government should be allowed to um, ban non-Israeli citizens, even if they are Jewish and even if uh, they, from a halachic perspective, from a philosophical perspective, they have as much right in the land as any Jew that is here. What are your thoughts, Rabbi Lichtman? Um, look, the first thing that came that comes to my mind is the Gemara that says that... Um, you know, there, there was there was this certain animosity between Israeli Jews, Jews that lived in the land of Israel at the time, back in the time of the Gemara, two thousand years ago, and uh, and Jews who didn't live in in Israel. Already then, the the Jews in Israel felt a certain um, animosity towards the Jews who lived outside, like as if you know, why are you not um, you know, doing what we're doing, why are you not helping bring the Mashiach like we are? The, the first Gemara that comes to head, I, I know that there's other sources, uh, uh, Rav Tachta brings the name of Banim Smecha, but the one that is most famous is the Gemara in Yoma that says that uh, Reish Lakish was swimming in the Jordan River and Rabba Bar Barchana reached out his hand to help him out of the water and Reish Lakish refused to take his hand and he said, uh, by God, I hate you. That's pretty strong language. I hate you. Why? Why do I hate you? Because it's because of you that the the final redemption didn't come in the time of the Second Temple. You Babylonian Jews. See, Rabbi Barbachana was a Babylonian Jew. So I, I, I don't know what he was doing. I guess he was originally from Babylonia, and then he came to Israel. Because they know he learned by Rabbi Yochanan, so uh, he clearly was eventually in Israel. But, but you Babylonian Jews who stayed in Babylon and did not come back with the rest of the Jewish people uh, in the time of Ezra, you're the reason why the why the temple was eventually destroyed. And the Gemara brings a a, a pasuk, a verse to prove it that uh, you know if the Jews had come back at the time of the Second Temple fully, completely, all, all as one, then the temple would never have been destroyed. 
and had the but, but, but since they didn't so therefore it eventually rotted meaning the temple eventually uh, was destroyed so I'm bringing this up now because that's the way Jews here feel it is we're like you like you said from that article that first article you know we're here we're the ones who are suffering we're the I mean I don't believe I don't consider myself suffering I take that back but, you know we're the ones who, very good right we're the ones who are sacrificing and we believe that this is going to expedite the coming of the Messiah and the redemption like we always talk about on the show and, and and but but we have we have no control over it because there's half the Jewish people who are not getting the getting the, the message and are not coming. And now they're complaining that, you know, why are you not letting me into the country when I want to visit my uh, my relative? You know what? It's time to make Aliyah. It's time to join the Jewish people and bring about the coming of the Mashiach. And then we won't have any of these problems. All right. We'll be right back right after the break. Uh, don't go anywhere. In a time where feelings have become fact, where rational thought and common sense has disappeared, one man stands above it all. I'm Howie Sobaker, your political hitman. Political Hitman airs every Tuesday at 11.59 p.m. North American Time, 7 a.m. Israeli Time, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Are you interested in transforming your life, drawing closer to the Creator, and uncovering the deeper meanings and hidden treasures in the Hebrew Bible? Then join me, Rav Yitzhak Michelson, and me, William Hall, on the Science of Kabbalah, where we are seeking to narrow the gap between what we understand of our physical and spiritual worlds. So make sure to tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Israel Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back. Uh, we're, this is a, a difficult conversation to have because, and I've had this conversation with multiple friends of mine across the ocean, people that are so disturbed by the current Israeli policies. And, and I've been taking the position that the Israeli government is seemingly, to me at least, seemingly is, are making policies which are um, not rational. They're irrational and they're nonsensical. And when I see that, it immediately raises red flags to me that there's something else going on. Now, there are many conspiracy theories about what that something else may be, but this is, this is my position. My position is Lev Melech B'Yad Hashem, that leaders, we, under, we know we have a tradition, that leaders are controlled by Hashem. He controls them. He is pulling the strings on the government and what their decisions are. And I use an example I thought on, on this past the Shabbat. I was thinking the perfect example is we're right going now going into the, the book of Shemot of Exodus. And we start talking about Paro. We know that the famous example that Paro made government policies, which were completely nonsensical, completely irrational. Every time there was another plague that came, it makes, made perfect sense that he would just say, go Jews, get out of here. And each time Hashem hardened his heart and changed his mind. And why did he do that? In order to send a message to the Jewish people. The Jewish people, unfortunately, only 20% of them got the message and responded uh, properly. 80% of them did not. 
But the fact is that I believe the same thing is happening today. These nonsensical, perhaps irrational decisions, policies of the government are meant to be a message to the Jewish people. It is time to come home. It is time to come home before it is too late. There may be a day when it not only the, the gates of Israel, the, the borders may not only be sealed for tourists and not may not only be sealed for Israelis that want to fly abroad, but may also be sealed for Olim, for Jews that want to immigrate to Israel. And that we need to get up and we have to move immediately. That is the, again, I'm not a prophet, but at least I'm in the country that has prophecy. And I believe that is the message. What do you think, Rabbi Lichtman? Oh, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, I mean, what I mean by no doubt about it, there's no doubt about that Hashem uh, sends messages. That I'm messages. not a prophet. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> that, no, you're also, and, and that you're living in the land of prophecy, and therefore you have more prophecy than, than Jews in, outside the land of Israel, that's for sure. Um, and, and by the way, it's not just prophecy, there's also Ruach HaKodesh, there's also divine inspiration, which might not be on the same level as prophecy, but um, as the Arizal says, that there is, uh, Ruach HaKodesh never stopped, even though even though prophecy did stop and will be only reinstituted when the Messiah comes. But um, Ruach HaKodesh, which means divine inspiration, that still exists, but specific or mostly in the land of Israel. So what I mean is that there's no doubt that you know God sends messages and you know he he has his way of you know making things work out the way he wants them to work out and that really leads into to one of the most important lessons of this week's parsha um, you know one of the reasons that many people deny that we are living in special times is because things are not, not perfect and things are not uh, the way we had expected for all those close to 2,000 years that the, the way the redemption would happen. We thought it was going to be miraculous and perfect and, you know, constantly uh, moving forward, getting getting brighter and brighter and greater and greater. But we find an example in this week's Parsha where even in the first redemption, which is the redemption from Egypt— and by the way, the Navi, uh, I think I'm going to guess it's Micha, but I, that's a total guess, says that right? That um, Hashem says that I will show the Jewish people wonders like when they left Egypt, which of course means there will eventually be wonders and miracles, but it also means that we can learn a lot from the redemption from the redemption from Egypt to our days. And the redemption from Egypt also was not perfect. It didn't it didn't work out the way everyone thought it was gonna gonna work out. And that's found at the very end of the parsha, where where after things started getting worse, Moshe was sent by God to to redeem the Jewish people. And all of a sudden things get worse. Paro makes the work harder for the Jewish people. And he actually Moshe complains and says um, I'll read to you in English. Moshe returned to the Lord and said, My Lord, why have you oppressed this people? Why have you sent me? Ever since I came to Paro to speak in your name, he has oppressed this people, and you have not rescued your people. The Lord, right? So I'm basically saying, God, you know, what's going on? Didn't you tell me that there's going to be a redemption? Where's the redemption? The Lord said to Moshe, Now you shall see what I will do to Paro. And Rashi famously says, 
Now you will see what I will do to Pyro. Yeah, you're gonna you're going to witness this great um, redemption. Not only witness Moshe is going to be the main player in the in the redemption, but you will not see when when the Jewish people conquer the seven nations going into Israel. Meaning, we all think. And to a certain degree, of course, it's true that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't enter the land of Israel because of the sin at Meimarivah, because he hit the rock or whatever exactly the sin was. Thirteen different explanations by the given by the Mefarshim, by the commentators. But there was a seed already planted here in this parsha. God already said, you'll see this redemption, but I'm not going to let you see the redemption of going into the land of Israel. Why not? Why? What did Moshe do wrong? And the answer is because Moshe really expected the process to progress quickly and smoothly. He was told by God he's going to redeem the Jewish people. He thought everything was going to go smoothly. But you know what? It didn't work out that way. Much to his chagrin, things didn't go exactly according to his plan. And he began to doubt whether the redemption was truly underway. Hashem's reaction was quick and harsh, vowing not to allow Moshe to enter the Holy Land because of his lack of faith. And this has so much relevance for our day and age, because we too have witnessed clear signs that the final redemption has begun. I mean, you know, we always talk about it. The main thing is the gathering of the, the ingathering of the exiles. I mean, what else can it be called if not the beginning of redemption? The reju- rejuvenation of the land, the fact that the land of Israel has, has woken up and, and, and is a great source of, of um, Parnassah, right? Uh, it's it's easy, easier, relative, relatively very easy to make a living in, in Israel today. Um, the restoration of Jewish sovereignty over the land, so many things. So after the Six-Day War, many people expected the redemption to reach its completion within a matter of days or weeks. But unfortunately, that did not happen. Decades later, we are still at war. You know, unfortunately, we suffered a, a terrible, terrible loss this past week. Um, Mordechai, I think his name was Mordechai, right? No, not Mordechai. His name was Yehuda. The, Yehuda, Yehuda Dimitman. Yehuda Dimitman. The reason I said Mordechai is because I had the, exactly I had the the uh, zechut the the privilege of learning under his father in the Meretz Kolel and Mevaseret Zion and it's really you know every pigua every terrorist attack is 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 terrible and. We should mourn it no matter whether we know the person or we don't know the person. Who cares? It's a fellow Jew. But we have to admit that when it's somebody you know or somebody, the son of somebody you know, then it just it just hits home so much more. And you realize that that, you know, no one is is uh, is safe from these kinds of terrible things. And, you know, there there, there are so many downs There's so many. Uh, the hardships that we're going through and and it makes people think unfortunately that you know everything's supposed to go smoothly and when things don't go smoothly they start doubting and they start saying this cannot be the the ultimate redemption and that's a big mistake and we see from Moshe Rabbeinu that he even the great greatest man that ever lived Moshe Rabbeinu even he made this mistake and it cost him it cost him the privilege of coming into the land of Israel and it's specifically that's the that's the punishment because 
Coming into the land of Israel requires tremendous emunah, faith in God. You have to have faith that this, that God knows what he's doing. And, and don't second-guess God. God knows how the redemption is supposed to happen. And it's also, by the way, there's no doubt that if we, we, if we would uh, deserve it, it would happen without any, any hardships. But anyway, I think getting back to our issue, I think that that's one of the main reasons why people are, are not getting the picture. They're not, uh, you know, even though things are happening, big things are happening. Jews are not being able to, uh, not being allowed to come to the land of Israel for the first time in, 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 in decades, in, in, in almost 70 years. Um, okay, for the reason is because of a, a pandemic. But whatever the reason is, we have to understand that God knows what he's doing and that we have to realize that we have to do our share. And we cannot be, um, we cannot be deterred by things that are happening. We have to understand that it's all part of the process and God knows what he's doing and we have to do our share. And I think that's really the bottom line here. Josh, it is. And, and, and I think that, uh, as I've said many times to many people before, I think that this is a clear message. Um, Hashem does not want Jews to come here as tourists. This is not another Cancun. This is not another Disneyland. This is the land of Israel. This is where they're supposed to reside permanently. And this is a call to Jews around the world to come and to come quickly because we don't know. We don't, we don't know exactly when the redemption is going to happen. It may be today. It may be tomorrow. We wait for it every day, but come before it's too late. You want to be on the right side, on the right team. Come while you can. We uh, thank you for coming, staying with us, and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again next week. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Norris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 
<laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 